FMC Fast Chat takes you inside the news so you can be in the know in 30 minutes. Hosted by Fair Media Council CEO and Executive Director Jackie Clement, Fast Chat features notables in news, media, and business. You know Gary Vaynerchuk as the boss of VaynerX and VaynerMedia. He's also a sought-after public speaker, a five-times best-selling New York Times author, and a celebrity in his own right. So we want to welcome Gary Vaynerchuk. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for asking. I hope everybody who's watching is doing well. First question, we'll get right into it since it's 30 quick minutes with you, is how have you been doing with the pandemic? How has it impacted you? It's, um, it's reinforced most of my live, life's beliefs, which is um, I'm grateful for the health and well-being of the people I love. And after that, everything is secondary. I've always believed that from a business standpoint, don't show me a peacetime general, show me a wartime general and how she or he would navigate that. I think we've had 10 years of quote unquote peace, AKA massive prosperity. So I was curious how everybody would act with the first level of you know, adversity. Though the pandemic played out in a way where it wasn't universal you know, issues, there's been yeah. clearly because of the, of the way the virus acts, uh, winners and losers, right? There's been companies that have exploded and there's been companies that have had, if I owned a restaurant, that, that was completely built on its local you know, foot traffic in Times Square, for example. As great as I am with Uber Eats marketing and innovating, it would have been awfully hard to you know, get into a place where the least justified the ability. So nonetheless, I would say um, I've done well. It's, uh, it's been a reaffirmer of the things I believe. Good, okay. And as long as everyone in your, in your family's healthy, how about business-wise? Has everyone been... Um, taking care of themselves? Has the schedule changed at all? You know, listen, I mean, I have a company called VaynerX. We have a lot of companies. You know, VPro, Vayner Productions, is taking a bloodbath. We aren't doing live shoots. Um, You know, Vayner Speakers, you know, is taking a bloodbath. We, We aren't booking our speakers, including myself, to do public speaking, which, you know, is the reality of it. Vayner Commerce you know, an e-commerce business that we stood up um, quietly two years ago, but we're publicly about to announce it in May, got announced and is doing extremely well given the fact that people are leaning into e-com. And, and the major business, Vayner Media and Gallery Media Group, our publishing side, had very tough first three months, calibrating cash flow issues, calibrating clients that may go bankrupt, calibrating people canceling things they've committed to, and, and me and Ryan Harwood and the other leaders have flourished um, since then and have built back up. And the Sasha group with James Orsini, which is really VaynerMedia for SMBs uh, and mid-sized companies has done quite well given the nature of our craft. So all in all in 2021, I think we'll be very grateful for what 2020 did from a pure business sense because it led up, it led to the deep education of what digital marketing can and does do um, when you do media and creative together in the social media channels, what it can do for business instead of checking the box. And I think long-term for our world, that will be a very big deal. All right, so are you getting any sleep at night? Um, I am, 
I actually, <laughs> I actually have always been a minimum six, mainly yeah. seven, mainly seven, even yeah. solidly occasionally eight. You know, I'm a high energy, excited, you know, yes, uh, you proactive, efficient dude when I'm awake. But I've always been sad when people think that I talk about not sleeping or burning yourself out. I think sleep is imperative. I slept 10 hours last night. You know, okay. I, you know I'm, I'm a buyer of sleep. I, I, I adore it. I know I need it. I know everyone needs it. And my big thing is don't do a meeting for an hour and a half. That's actually 36 minutes. Not don't sleep. And I think that... Um, efficiency or just checking the boxes is what I am passionate about less than more so than sleep. So I get plenty of sleep and yes, I've been getting plenty of sleep. All right, good. I want to, I want to back up before we get into business right now, because before the pandemic hit, it seemed like everyone was preoccupied with the idea of leveling up their businesses. Like that, that was where the chatter was. There was a lot of news media focus. I'm going to say maybe 18 months to two years leading up to the pandemic. Knowing what we know now, is leveling up something people should have been preoccupied with? Or, you know, is leveling up even something that's necessary for most people? It all depends on how you think about leveling up. You know, for me, when I think about practicality. I think people financially overextend themselves as an organization. And, and I think people take too much money out of their businesses so that they can buy dresses and jewelry and sneakers and cars and homes. So for me, I think being prepared for a rainy day and innovating your product and service to the reality of the customer in 2020, AKA being a restaurant that does Uber Eats or AKA being a company that knows how to do LinkedIn marketing instead of just relying on the sales force that is going to conferences in case a COVID hits. That's how I think about leveling up. Okay. And I All think right. that should be done always and forever. And it has absolutely been the foundation of my success. I only think about those two things. Am I contemporary? Not for the future, but contemporary. And most people think things like social media are the future when they've been the last five years. And am I being careful with my dollars so that I'm, it's the, the dollars are there for a rainy day? Those are my two passions. Okay. All right. So where we are right now, who would you say is making the right moves? Who's pivoting well and being true to their brand? And who do you see as just kind of wasting time and just doesn't get what today's about? I think Disney's doing a very good job. Yeah. I, think, I think they've made an enormous commitment to OTT and streaming, which I think between ESPN Plus and Disney Plus, and Hulu will pay out big, big, big dividends for them uh, okay. over the next um, decades. Um, I think, I think that there's a lot. I, I think that any company that spends the majority of their money on television commercials and banner ads and pre-roll ads on the internet are are doing it wrong. I think whether that's Why? Pissing, because they're overpaying for attention. Okay. I think that they are trading on old reporting and and romantic points of view and bad data 
and, in, and reports that are incentivized to actually send you in the direction of that spend. So I think all those companies, which are, oh, by the way, 85 to 95% of the Fortune 500 landscape. And I say what I say, and I'm gonna say it again slowly. There's a lot of companies that when I look under the hood, whether as when they become clients and or um, just for friends or if I'm brought in kind of unofficially to take a look, I would argue that many companies in, in the world have moved to a higher percentage of their spend in digital over television, print, and radio, and outdoor. However, when you double click and you look under the hood, a lot of that digital is bad inventory. It's programmatic banners and programmatic pre-roll that I think become, you know, the KPI in a lot of those conversations is what did they pay for the media? They're looking for efficiencies. Um, but they work on potential reach versus actualized consumer behavior. So it got 7 million impressions, but what percentage is bots? But what's scarier to me, even if not 100% is not bots, is that 99% of consumers are, are glossy-eyed over that kind of media because it's annoyance more than value add. So that's what I spend all my time thinking about. I, I think there's a big chasm in the, in the current state of marketing. And I believe that whether for a presidential election, whether for curing cancer, whether for anything, especially selling a, a can of Coke or a Ford truck, I think it's the biggest mistake of execution in 2020 because I think most people don't understand the internet's actual truth. Fair enough. How, how do you position smaller companies though that don't have all those layers and silos of departments that the large companies struggle with? I think smaller you companies, think I think smaller companies are in a better shape, Jackie, to your point. Um, yeah. But I think that they run very hot or very cold. I think smaller companies tend to have the same issue bigger companies have, which is seasoned decision makers that don't understand it. And unfortunately, for I don't know why, can't be bothered to learn it. I'm fascinated by, by a 57-year-old executive, which is still so young, mm-hmm. deciding for her or himself that this is too complicated and I don't care about this jargon. And yet, the whole world is running on a LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. I mean, it is the dominant presence in our society now, these platforms and, and over print and radio and television. And, and there is an enormous naivete of what Spotify and YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok mean. Um, and so you do see more proper activity in SMB land. Unfortunately, you see even more entrenched bad behavior because Grandpa Lee says, well, this is how we've always done it and thinks that that's a good statement. To me, whatever got you there is always the vulnerability of what gets you to the next place. Okay, all right. Do do you think part of the problem is that we simply don't have the technology skills that we need? Yes, but 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 I also think it's lack of education. I'm flabbergasted that one would not take 50 hours of reading and listening and watching videos to get educated on these 25 platforms that dominate societal's attention. How can you be in business and not actually fully know how Facebook ads run? Just to know, so you can judge the people that you hire to do it. 
To me, understanding how the media and creative work on these platforms um, is as essential as knowing how to balance your checkbook and pay your taxes. And you're, and you're just kind of seeing that across the board with the large companies in particular? The large companies are in a pickle. Their, their agencies are selling them the opposite because they make more margin in it. And that's the, tr- you know, that's, yeah. I mean, like what's going on? Here's what's going on. It's much harder for Omnicom and Publicis and WPP to make margin on properly doing creative and media hands-on keyboards at scale day in and day out to drive business results for clients than it is planning an upfront media buy or a programmatic media buy on the digital media landscape or on television. It's just much more profitable to do that. Thus, that's what they do. That's the truth. Do you see any, any real future in terms of traditional advertising? I ask because, you know, when, when you talk about news media, traditional advertising is what paid the bills. Now everybody's focused on paid subscriptions, but subscriptions has always been a very narrow focus and provided little, if any, actual revenue yep. to the business model. So for everyone to be running after digital subscriptions, I feel like they're missing the major part of the equation. The problem is McDonald's doesn't want to pay you for potential reach anymore at the same level, right? Because, so I think, I think that if you're a news organization, I would love to see PBS create an incredible OTT subscription business that has, or, or something, any, anybody, anybody. It's very simple. Creating, you know, you look at Cheddar and John Steinberg, you know, it's an entrepreneur with a couple of bucks and he goes and executes a model that is clearly a model to be played with. Meaning if CNN, if the greater, if that company as a whole decided to take out or if Fox or if, or if BBC, if some, I mean, I'm completely convinced somebody's going to take their news product, create an OTT product around it that's filled with documentaries, maybe education, you know, who knows where they go with it, what they layer with it. But once they do, not only will they be able to get their eight bucks a month because we're all gonna be used to the unbundling and then buying what we want, but they'll get the advertisers back because they're gonna have the first party data. They're gonna have, you know, they're gonna have a different product and there's just a lot of ways to integrate. And so the debundling will lead to news organizations having opportunity, but it's gonna come down to them executing it properly because there's a lot of OTT products that are gonna fail. I mean, Quibi is going to be something yeah. that is gonna sh- send shivers down everyone's back on, you know, hey, this might not work. And so, you know, advertising, I- I'm with you. The problem is those organizations have a problem, which is <laughs> the, the, cons- the person that's giving them money for advertising is starting to take that money and take it away, which inevitably led them to this. They wouldn't have gone to subscription if the ad money was still just flowing like it's right. the roaring 20s. And to somebody's point in the Q&A here as we're doing this, you know, mm-hmm. somebody said targeted demographics, of course. Like that's the beauty of when you own the whole, f- when, you're, when you're the content and the distribution, you have all the data. Yeah. You become far more attractive to an advertiser. No, absolutely. So I'm wondering, you know, with, since we're now hopefully in the middle, if not further along with the history of our pandemic going on here, um, you know, our, our tastes are changing, our wants and needs are changing. 
you know, we're home more. This is, we're not traveling like we used to. We're not going out like we used to. What do you, what do you see as becoming relevant in the near future in, in terms of, you know, how brands should be pivoting themselves? What is it people are going to be responding to? I mean, listen, we're, you know, hopefully, you know, this isn't another half decade. So I think, you know, hopefully you're going to see us go back to many of our behaviors over the next 18 months. Yeah. Um, and I think the things that were happening were happening. Of course, things like board games and other things became, you know, bigger little micro boosts. But if you really look at it, you've seen the enhancements of what was already happening, which is Twitch's audience has doubled watching video games. You know, live stream, you know, Instagram Live and Facebook Live and TikTok Live, I think those are very lucrative things that I think you'll see evolve into shopping. And so you'll see some really cool stuff in that world. And you'll see a lot more of the stuff that you see in China where the companies are more integrated. Um, So frictionless shopping from a live environment, I think could be enormous. but, but the consumer is gravitating to this and to the complete opposite of that, which is we're, we're getting into the extremities of in and out of technology, meaning right now as we fatigue in 12-hour Zooms and on the screen all day, you're seeing people hike more and go outside more in safe ways. Um, and I th- but I also think people are tripling down on technology and I think they will, no matter how much we demonize it through the social dilemma and parenting concerns and all this, the cat's out of the bag. We will look back at this era. We will look at this phone and Zoom the same way we look at VCRs and pagers. We will, this is all leading to VR and AR and many other things I can't even think of right now. Our relationship with technology has been grounded in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of data, which means we will continue to go to things that make our lives easier and faster and quicker. We love lack of friction and we will continue, we will go into last mile delivery and we will go into seamless and AI and Alexa, order me a pizza. Anything that makes it faster and easier will continue to gain market share no matter how much the older people demonize it. And when I say older, I mean me. I didn't grow up with any of this. So when I see my kids doing things, I'm like, when I was a kid, you know, if you missed a TV show, you had to watch it in the summer on reruns. They watch everything on demand. And that will continue to happen. So I think, I, I think people are trying to find the counter to technology almost as a way to feel better about the world. Yet that has always been the way people have talked about things. And I think for me, it's realizing this is the simplest it's ever going to be because tomorrow it's going to get more complicated. And that's just the nature of the human being. Have you seen any movement with AI and, and the different virtual realities that people have been working on, but I'm wondering if they've slowed down or if they've actually accelerated now? I think VR is much further behind on the consumer track than people realize. I'm a big fan of like, show me a million people doing something before I even begin to think about it. And I mean doing something like, show me a million Americans or humans for that matter that are in VR sets for three hours a day because it's just normal, not because they're in the B2B world of it. And then I'll, then I'll start paying more attention. We haven't seen that. AR is actually 
surprisingly behind where it could be, especially when you think about Pokemon Go's incredible execution only five years ago. So you'd think, you'd think it was, we'd be further along with AR because that was such a great execution. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. I do think you're seeing advancements in AI, machine learning, and chatbots and things of that nature, but we still have a long, long way to go and that's exciting. That means there, there's blockchain and VR and AR and ML and, you know, and AI and, and there's just so many, vo- I mean, voice AI. I mean, I can't wait for Alexa and Google Home at scale. And I think that will happen over the next decade or two. And so I'm excited about that world. Okay. All right. So let's, I, I'm looking at the questions we've got going here. A lot of advice, uh, people looking for advice on startups right now, whether it's podcasts or other businesses, what kind of advice do you give for people starting up in this kind of environment? Well, this, there's never a bad time to start a great business. I mean, there was unbelievable amounts of companies including my VaynerMedia that were started literally smack in the beginnings of the Great Recession. So, you know, A, there's never a bad time to start a good business. B, patience. The number one reason, Jack, that people struggle with businesses and startups is they lack patience. There's this weird thought that if you build it, they'll come and in 36 months, you'll be a millionaire and have a yacht. I mean, it's fascinating. We've been confused by the three or four unicorns you know, which, and then everybody thought every company was a unicorn only to be exposed as rhinoceroses, right? And so I think that, I think that um, to me, patience is one. Um, I'm a big fan of reverse engineering a problem you have. I love those businesses, scratch your own itch. Um, I'm a big fan of self-awareness. I think starting a startup has become cool. Thus, a lot of people do it who really deep down aren't a number one, they're a number four, number six, or number two. It takes a very strong, um, I see a lot of entrepreneurs mentally struggle because of the loneliness and the sheer amount of adversity and not wanting to fail in public. Where I see a lot of people get into depression is when it's inevitable that their company's gonna fail. And so I think coming out a little more humbly, I remind a lot of like, oh, I have a, I'm a big bravado guy. I have a lot of energy, but I remind people that I would, for 12 years, I didn't say a word before I actually built the business. It was easier to have bravado after you did it. than <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people get caught by saying all these big things before they start their company. And then when it doesn't happen, they feel embarrassed. And that leads to very sad internal behaviors all the way to the extremes of suicide. So I, I worry about that. Um, so self-awareness, I think, is a huge one. Patience, self-awareness, reverse engineering a real problem instead of a theoretical one. Um, when, when Quibi launched, my big concern was that YouTube was already solving that problem. So a lot of times, a lot of people start startups that are already solved. Dating apps are in trouble now because Instagram DM and TikTok DM has become the dating platform. More, you know, And so I think, I think that's something to think about. So... Those are things that I'm thinking about. Fair enough. Fair enough. I wonder, I wonder though, if, if so much of the societal issues that we have in this are actually even fueled by technology because, you know, you look on Facebook and everyone's happy. Everyone's having a good time and they're posting pictures of themselves traveling around the world. They're not posting photos of themselves, you know, struggling to, to figure out a problem or, yeah, I, you know, think, looking think- like they just woke up. Yeah, I, you know, actually, I think all that social media has done is exposed us. I mean, people were playing the role 
by buying a Mercedes and parking it in their yard. Okay. People, were, people were not telling the truth at the PTA meetings. People would go through shocking divorces because it looked like they were happy. Humans, humans have never told the truth about their problems and worries to each other. I think the difference is we, we all now communicate at scale because of these platforms, but these have been tried and true human behaviors forever. Even, even you know, I just finally started watching Mad Men you know, because I promised myself I'd only start watching it once I understood the ad world. And like literally <laughs> episode two, you know, Don Draper's wife is showing her mental, you know, issues. She would have, you know, she was dealing with that and the stigma of that in, in her own mind. What she would have been doing if she was in 2020 is putting up an Instagram photo of their beautiful family at, in the Hamptons. And so I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think, I think technology, aka social media, has exposed us. And I think people don't like what they're seeing. And I think they're blaming platforms instead of taking on accountability. Accountability hasn't been an issue anyone's talked about in a long time either. <laughs> no, accountability is the greatest unlock to happiness and the thing that almost everybody on this call is least interested in. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. We, we have a question here on uh, remote workers. Um, are you finding yourself hiring more remote, remote workers and is it pertinent that they are New York City based or do you hire out of state? How do you work that? We are clearly like every company incredibly um, excited about the efficiencies of technology have created and we are unbelievably, uh, you know, the beauty of, of owning a private business is it's a, dicta- it's a dictatorship, right? And, and so I'm really excited about bringing tremendous work-life balance to my employees, which will include the ability for people to live further away from the office. I'm thinking a lot about the two hours away from VaynerMedia. Like, I'm, I can't wait for a lot of our employees who realize, oh, wait a minute, I can be at the office two or three days a week now, or maybe even you know, five days, one week and off the whole next week. Oh my God, I'm going to go move to Hunterdon County, New Jersey, because I can get a huge yard and a bigger home and a better lifestyle for me because I don't want to drive an hour and 45 minutes to work. But if I'm only doing that two times a week, it's worth the other five days to have this. So the answer is one big fat yes. And, and obviously the only thing that's stopping us from not hiring in every state is you get to a threshold where that means you're actually doing business in that state versus actually doing it in New York. And you have to be, you have to register and things of that nature. But we are, we are finding incredible efficiencies and have completely rethought and will forever rethink our real estate strategy and our work from home and work-life balance strategy. Okay. That's good to know. And it's good to hear that people are thinking that way in terms of what's good for humanity, you know, because that's another topic you sell. Listen, I think for me, I've always loved people more than anything. It's always been my thing, you know? Uh, and, and to the point where I would give up popularity in junior high and high school because I wanted to be friends with everybody because I just genuinely love people. And I think that's led to a lot of my business success. But I've always lived life around legacy versus currency. And so I'm happy to see the conversation become more thoughtful. Um, I don't demonize capitalism because I think there's a lot of great things in it. But I think anything that's extreme 
whether that's social programs or capitalism, always becomes vulnerable. But I'm happy to see that society is having more healthy conversations. And I do take on accountability. All the shortcomings of VaynerX and VaynerMedia are my fault. And if the paternity you know, policy isn't good enough, if we aren't being thoughtful about humanity, not just our business, those are all my fault. And I, wanna, I want a lot of people to show up to my funeral much more than I want an extra zero in my bank account. And so I, I care about those things. And, I, and, I, and I'm excited to see, I think that people are starting to think about those things more. And as long as they're doing it with integrity, like Mark said in the chat, instead of doing it for optics, the crappy thing right now is businesses are making pretend they care for optics. And I think hopefully over the next decade, we'll get into intent and the truth behind intent. And I think that will be good. Okay. All right. One very serious question here is how many black shirts do you own? <laughs> Probably like <laughs> nine to 11, I would say. <laughs> Enough to get through the work week, right? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> All right. And what's happening with your esports team? We had a I own the Minnesota Rocker team. Oh, this is might be yeah, this is it. We now have a holding company, version one. We have a we have a um, a great team in the Rocket League, which is a very popular game called version one. That's also the holding code that owns the Minnesota Rocker, which is in the Call of Duty League. We had came we had a great start. We puttered at the end and had a terrible finish. Uh, struggled. Uh, we had a great free agency, and I'm excited for next year. And I'm learning a lot, and I believe in esports quite a bit. Okay, cool. All right. Something about garage sales. You have a big thing? I do. I believe that garage selling is an incredible way to learn about consumer behavior and supply yeah. and demand and marketing. And I encourage people that are looking for an extra $100 a month in, in rent or groceries to really get good at it. Obviously, COVID's thrown a wrench in it, but I believe in garage selling quite a bit. I do, I, I've done five episodes of a show on YouTube called Trash Talk where I go around and show people how to do it and I enjoy it and it's my hobby. And, and <laughs> I was a kid, it taught me a lot about marketing and, 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 uh, and I think it's very powerful. All right, tell me when you were a kid, what kind of work did you do? Lemonade stands, shoveling snow, Christmas carols, um, car washing, um, baseball cards was the big one and then at 14, stocking shelves and making ice and being a stock boy in my dad's liquor store. And so I've been a worker bee my whole life. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and you've done well for yourself. I mean, nothing's ever perfect, right? But where oh. you are is a far away from where you started from. Oh. So yes. <laughs> what keeps you motivated? Gratitude. I'm very yeah. grateful for the skills I was given, the opportunity I was given. My grandfathers both died before I got to know them. But from the stories I've been told, they were entrepreneurs, which meant both of them spent time in jail in Soviet Russia, including my mom's dad spent 10 years in jail for being a hustler, an entrepreneur. And so I'm so grateful that I get to do what I'm naturally gifted at in a country that rewards that. Um, I'm, I'm, I have gratitude of the mother I had who taught me kindness who enabled me to have the level of humanity I have, which makes me a palpable businessman, in my opinion. And so I'm driven by gratitude. Plus I enjoy it. I, you know, all the, when I was a kid, garage selling this and that, I wasn't doing it for the money. I don't love the money. I just genuinely would prefer to garage sale or shovel snow than to play golf. I would genuinely prefer to do this interview right now than to sail in a boat. 
And, and so my great hobby also became my great skill, which also became a very practical infrastructure to having a livelihood. And I'm very grateful for that. Good for you. All right. I imagine though you were kind of a weird kid. I mean, by kid standards, right? Because yes. others would be out playing sports while you were working. But I was also who I am, which meant I was very convincing. So my entire friend group basically worked with me or for me. And then we would play <laughs> afterwards. So yes, I was definitely, in hindsight, I didn't realize because it was me being me. But my, as, as I became more known, my junior high and grammar school and high school friends came out with stories where, and would talk about them in a way where I realized, oh, I was a little bit different. I didn't realize it because it was my norm. Now I get right. it. Now I get it. And so, yes, I definitely was different. Yeah. Okay. We, we need to start wrapping up because we're almost out of time. So I want to ask you, you know, what should people be focusing on right now? What's the most efficient way to, to just kind of push through where we are in our history right now with the pandemic and business? Um, I think it's self-awareness and I think it's content creation and media spend on the internet. Those are my two things. Know yourself and then know the skill set that matters above all of them and what your relationship with it is. Whoever understands how to make pictures, videos, and written words and how to spend media dollars against them on YouTube, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, on and on and on, whoever that is as a human or as an organization will will 100% have the most fruitful outcomes. I, I believe in that the most. If you could give three key features, what makes a strong brand a strong brand? What elements do they need? Consumer-centric empathy, like genuinely caring about their customer more than themselves. Contemporary, contextual, creative and media, which has been everything I've said here the whole time. Mm -hmm. And a leader where she or he innovates the product and service based on the realities of the moment. One last question. You ready? Yes, What's the best part about being Gary Vaynerchuk? Seeing the pride this The Fair Media Council is a 501c3 nonprofit organization advocating for quality news and working to create a media-savvy society. For more information about the Fair Media Council and upcoming Fast Chat shows, check out fairmediacouncil.org. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.